Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Yes, it absolutely is. On this Friday, the end of a holiday week, I'm Paul Gleiser sitting in again today for Jimmy. He, like a lot of people who took the week off this week, will be back in the studio on Monday. But for today, we have a great show lined up for you at the bottom of Hour 2. Looking forward to this. It's Tudor Dixon, who ran for governor in Michigan, lost to Gretchen Whit- Whitmer. We're going to be talking about Gretchen Whitmer here coming up. We have, you and I, spent a lot of time when I've been filling in for Jimmy talking about which Republican we might most like to see nominated for president in 2024. We've had passionate debate on both sides of the Trump slash someone else divide. We've kind of we've talked about that a lot. Let's set that whole debate aside for today and consider the other side of the ticket. Whom do we want to see as the Democrats nominee? That's the question. You remember Rush Limbaugh and Operation Chaos? It was Rush seeking to disrupt Democrats by encouraging Republicans to go out and vote in Democratic primaries in order to put the most easily defeated Democrat on the ticket as the nominee. It's not clear if that ever worked, pushing a weaker candidate over the finish line in a primary so as to avoid having to face the stronger candidate in the general. But Operation Chaos did, for a fact, mightily hack off a bunch of Democrats. So here is the A-block question for today here on Fox Across America, and I want you to weigh in at 888-788-9910. If you could cast an Operation Chaos vote in a Democratic presidential primary today, for which Democrat would you vote? The number is easy, 888-788-9910. Put it in your phone. Call us now. Let's, Let's consider the field. First, of course, we have the incumbent, the president of the United States, Joe Biden. We know he's the incumbent. The question is, does he know he's the incumbent? Incumbency is a very powerful thing, and Biden really has that going for him. He certainly has that going for him. But there's also a lot that's working against him. First of all, it's his poll numbers. They're atrocious. Worse, he's losing support even among Democrats. And if you believe the polls... Um, Now a majority of Democrats think he's too old, and a near majority of them think that a few of his marbles are missing. (laughs) You think? There's plenty of evidence to support that concern. Here's a montage of recent Joe Biden statements, not the stuff going back a long time where he stumbled and bumbled. Recently, where Joe Biden has made really, really incoherent statements uh, in statements and speeches. Here he is. Bridge over the... Uh, over the over the Holly River, look, and, and Warsaw, or excuse me, Washoe County in Nevada. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, uh, foot, foot excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with them. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. A solid meeting with. Um, with uh, the uh, here's what drives the driver uh, in the states that are affected. Well, we're going to win and we're going to help. We have plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian Ocean. We have plans to build in, 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 in Angola, one of the largest solar plants in the world. I can go on, but I'm not. I'm going off script. I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah, when you go off script, you start talking about floating railroads. 
You know, you take all of that, you take his obviously addled state, and you add to that the fact that the laptop story and all that it revealed is not going away. Going away, that story keeps getting worse. The evidence that the big guy himself profited from Son Hunter's foreign uh, influence peddling operation is growing to the point that not even the ever-complicit, ever-cooperative corporate media can continue to ignore it. Is Biden the guy you want the Republican nominee to run against, whomever that is, whether it's Trump or DeSantis or somebody else? Is Biden the guy you want to see on the ticket? 888-788-9910. Remember, every single Democrat is hoping that the GOP nominates Donald Trump because they believe that Trump is the one candidate that they can for sure absolutely defeat. Given Trump's huge lead in the polls, and assuming that it does wind up being Trump versus the Dem nominee, is Biden that Dem nominee for you? Call me, 888-788-9910. Or, let's say that by this time next summer, Biden's continuing decline and his continuing inability to form an articulate sentence makes it impossible for him to credibly continue to campaign for the nomination. Worse, let's say that he can no longer even fully and and competently execute the office of the presidency or credibly execute the office of the presidency. Let's say they just can't hide that fact. That gives us Vice President Kamala Harris at the head of the line for the Dem nomination. Think about that. Think about the place that puts the Dems in. Kamala's poll numbers are even worse than Joe's. When Joe speaks, he's often barely coherent, uh, but he has an excuse. He's old and his mind is failing him and the elevator doesn't go up to the top floor anymore and it never was that tall a building to begin with. Kamala doesn't have such an excuse. She's only 58 years old, yet when she speaks, it's word salad city. She opens her mouth and pure gibberish falls out. Listen to this clip from the 2023 Essence Festival of Culture in New Orleans a week ago today. Well, I think culture is, it, it is a reflection of our moment and our time, right? And, and, and present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment. And... And we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. That is a reflection of joy because, you know, it comes in the morning. (laughs) We have to find ways to also express the way we feel about the moment in terms of just having language and, and, and a connection to how people are experiencing life. And I think about it in that way, too. Did uh, Huh? Did, did you get any of that? So here's the thing. Joe Biden, Biden falling out prior to the primaries is a nightmare scenario for the Democrats. It leaves them with what to do about Vice President Kamala Harris. Kamala, Kamala like many of the HR decisions made by Biden, is a box checker. She checks the woman box, the African-American box, and the far-left loon liberal box. There's no way, or there's only one way that I can think of for Democrats to gracefully get rid of her. They have to get rid of Biden at the same time. If Biden does not or cannot complete a primary run before it gets started, the Dems will have a hard time pushing Kamala out of the way in order to install someone equipped with a brain with a functioning left hemisphere. And that's where speech is controlled. If it comes to it, and it, you know, it's plausible, it could, 
The Democrats will be hoisted by their own petard with Kamala. Here's cut 23. Talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time. So, So in your political fantasies, if you were voting in Operation Chaos today... Would you vote for Kamala? 888-788-9910. You know, the Dems behind the scenes may be working to push Biden off the stage so they can get rid of Kamala Harris, too, because she is a real problem. Okay, now let's flip it. If you're voting in Operation Chaos and your goal is to keep the strongest candidate off the ticket, who would you most avoid? I mentioned yesterday or the day before or whenever it was, I lose track, that I have actual fear of Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. Yeah, sure, his once magnificent state is becoming a festering hellhole. It's sinking into third world status. Yes, Los Angeles and San Francisco are becoming unlivable. Yes, people who can afford to leave California are doing so. And for the first time in the state's history, it is actually losing population. Yes, the state is effectively insolvent. For all of that, though, Newsom is the kind of guy that emotionally driven Democrats and a lot of independents will vote for. Did you see the interview a week or two ago with Sean Hannity, Gavin Newsom on Sean Hannity's show on Hannity on the Fox News Channel? He's a left-wing nut, no question, but he is a talented left-wing nut. When it comes to politicking and speaking in base-pleasing sound bites, he can do it. There's no doubt that Newsom looks in the mirror every morning when he's shaving and sees the president of the United States. You can tell by looking at him that he wants the job, and he would have a lot of appeal to those on the leftward side of that big moderate-slash-independent block of voters. So if it came to voting against a potential Dem nominee, would you vote against Newsom? Or might you instead vote against another talented Democratic governor? Her name is Gretchen Whitmer. A couple of weeks ago, Vanity Fair ran a gushing article about her. Um, they And then recently, just uh, this week, Politico had an article in which they described the moment during the 2020 campaign when she and Kamala Harris were on the same stage campaigning for Joe Biden in Michigan. Kamala was Biden's future VP by then. A lot of top Democrats on that stage were wishing it was Gretchen Whitmer. Whitmer easily defeated Tudor Dixon, who's going to be on the show later today, to win re-election to the governor's mansion in Michigan last year. On her coattails, there rode a Democratic sweep of both chambers of the Michigan legislature. She, she, says, she says she supports Biden and isn't considering a 2024 run. But if Biden stumbles, you can bet she'd rethink that. So in an Operation Chaos vote, would you vote against her or vote against Bo- Gavin Newsom? Bottom line. Who would you most like to see as the Democratic nominee for president in 2024? Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Gavin Newsom, Gretchen Whitmer, or some fill-in-the-blank someone else? 888-788-9910. Oh, and we have a bonus question today because I just want to throw this out there. The June jobs numbers came in earlier this morning, weaker than expected. Than expected. Um, in your employment history, just talking about jobs, what's the worst job you ever had? As a kid just starting out or in the or as an adult trying to earn an adult living? What's the worst job you ever had? 
788-9910. It's Friday. I love doing Friday shows. I love making it about you. I love doing this show and hearing from you across America. Here on Fox Across America, it's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy returns on Monday. But to, for today, it's you and me here at 888-788-9910. The show keeps going after the break. Stay with us. It's the show that leaves you hungry for more. We'll probably sit around and cook some soup, eat bread and desserts, and just get all fat and sassy. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now, get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword Jimmy. Text now. You'll get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast. It is absolutely free. Your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword Jimmy. It's 231-231 and you enter the keyword Jimmy. Texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. Fox Across America, Paul Gleiser for Jimmy Fallon today, coming to you from the great state of Texas. Want to hear from you at 888-788-9910. We're going to lead off with Bill in Pittsburgh, PA. Bill, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, Paul. How are you today? Good, man. How are you? Great. You got some big shoes to fill in there for Jimmy. Oh, huge. Listen, it's intimidating as hell sitting in this chair doing this show for, for an incredibly talented guy like Jimmy. I, I'm, I'm amazed they keep asking me to come back. Truly, it's hard. It's hard to be intelligent, funny, and good looking all at the same time. All at the, all at the same off. time, and I, you know what? And I don't even come close to having the wardrobe. Not even close <laughs> to having the wardrobe. Not, not many people do. I, I yeah. want to start off with your bonus question. My my worst job would have to be the summer of 1989 through the summer of 1990 when I was in college. I took a job with a landscaper removing hedges that were planted in the 50s and 60s, and he would not let us use any machinery for fear of tearing up the people's lawns. Oh, so we had to cut, had to cut the hedges down to the stump, and, and then, then dig the stumps, the stumps out? out of the ground. Uh, yeah. I, since then, I since then I claim to be allergic to shovels. Yeah, yeah. Listen, <laughs> my first. My, I want to get to the meat here, but I want, since we're on this, my first, my worst job was among my first jobs. A friend of mine, my age, we, we were kids, but he was a, a darn good cook. He got a job as a as a line cook at a, what was in Dallas at a place called Cattleman's. It was a steakhouse before the you know the big steakhouses came and so oh, yeah. he got me he got me a job but I was not a cook my job was raking garbage because all the stuff that got scraped off of plates the uneaten food got scraped into into a pail got sold to pig farmers and my job was to scrape through all of that and pick out the silverware and the solid stuff so the pigs wouldn't eat it and oh, and I, I lasted I lasted two two days at that job it's the most horrible job I've ever had I've never never I've, I've studiously avoided going into the kitchen of restaurants since it was horrible 
I can't blame you. On to the the question. Yes, sir. I, I would I would have to say that enough people, probably anybody that's you know conscious today, has seen that the incumbent is incompetent at doing his job. So that's definitely who I would if, put in there. Yeah, if you can't see it, it's because you don't want to. And and if if the if Democrats were going to vote with their head and not with their their brand, they would. Anyone with a, a common sense would probably vote for RFK Jr. In my humble opinion, and you know, but just you, I have to hope and pray that that for the legitimacy, the legitimacy of our elections in this next uh, election here, because you know, I, I have a very hard time believing that that guy in office got that many votes. It's it's, it's yeah, completely I understand man, that. Man, man, and and you know just one last thing is yeah. is the common sense american knows that the way an election should be ran is you have to know how many people are in the election participating and voting and how many people voted and that's how you tell whether a election is legitimate so voter id and and no mail-in voting or if you have mail-in voting you have to know who got a mail-in ballot i mean i'm not that, that educated of a person but if, if i'm having an uh, election at our i have belong to a sportsman's club we know how many people are participating how many people are voting how many people voted for one side how many people voted for the other that's 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 the way you should run a country all right bill that's good stuff listen have a great weekend there in pittsburgh all right, that opens up line 866. No, I'm sorry, wrong talk show. 888-788-9910. Um, Bill in Henderson, Texas, you're next on Fox. Okay, Bill is gone. Patty in Tampa, Florida, you're up. What say you? Hey, I just want to tell you about my worst job. I've been a teacher for 34 years, and kids are kids. But I taught at an inner city school, and I was telling your call screener, anything, anything could happen there. A parent appeared in my door, and I thought she was there for her child, but she was there because she was angry with someone who she felt had wronged her child, and she was ready to attack that kid in my class. And I called the office, and as was typical, no one came. And that was just the way things were. So now I've taught at the same school for 28 years. And when I have a bad day, I remind myself that my worst day at my school is better than my best day was at the other school. Well, there you go. So uh, let me ask this. What do you what do you teach? I teach ninth grade English and I've taught creative writing in all the grades six through 12. Is your curriculum what you and I grew up with at that at your school? Does it teach history properly? Does it is it are, are, do well, we say the Pledge of Allegiance? Are we patriotic at your school? We, we say the Pledge of Allegiance. I'm not intimately familiar with the history curriculum, but I'm good friends with many social studies teachers, and I've not heard any of them complain about inaccurate representations uh, in the text. I know that in North Carolina, where my grandnieces go to school, they no longer teach Shakespeare because they feel he's misogynistic. Yeah, he's and, a white guy. Uh, he's a white guy. And, yeah, I get yeah. it. You know, what could he know about? What could he teach a kid about English? Patty, appreciate it. I got a jump. Uh, after the after the break at the bottom of the hour, which Democrat do you want to see on the 2024 ticket? And we've somebody brought up RFK Jr. I didn't bring up bring him up in the monologue. He actually says things that are sane. They'll never nominate him. What do you think? 888-788-9910. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. 
We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the, go, you know the, you know the thing. That's the guy, Joe Biden, who right now is the presumptive 2024 nominee. Whom would you like whomever we on the, on the right nominate to run against? That guy or somebody else? 888-788-9910. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. And we're in Brooklyn. It's Alex next. Alex, what do you say? Yeah, if you're asking, like, who would be the best Democratic nominee for me as a Republican, would definitely be Joe Biden. I mean, he's the most beatable, 100 uh, percent. And you, you, it's not you, just you, because of his. You, know, you don't think you could mop you the floor? You don't, yeah, I, I hear you don't think you could mop the floor if it were uh, Kamala Harris? I think she's just as beatable as him, but he's the number one before her that I'd say. But uh, she's definitely not going to be the Democratic nominee. She's just as as bad as as Biden or even, you know, less coherent. And she's not even this old physical mess that you could say, hey, she's just old. And that's why she's reacting this way. Uh, But I would actually vote for if JFK was the Democratic nominee, I would vote for him even as opposed to President Trump, just because I think that if he would become a Democratic president like like JFK, uh, that would totally change the direction of Democratic Party, but uh, he's not going to become the nominee. And, and if he would become the nominee, that would mean that the Democratic Party already changed direction in the primary. Uh, so he's, de- he's definitely not going to make it. Uh, but you know what? I think uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, he would be a, a threat even possibly to Ron DeSantis because he, he's a pretty sharp guy. I didn't know that he's that smart until I saw the interview with Sean Hannity. Yeah, the, he, the interview with Sean Hannity, I, that, that really got my attention. I said, this guy's good. Yep. He's talented. All right. You know, he can I bring it. I thought he was just the looks. I thought he was just a, another politician that had connections because he was a relative. This guy's pretty smart. Uh, but the thing is that he's not that controllable. But the handlers, they loved this Joe Biden presidency. They got all their stuff in there, didn't get any of the blame, and, and they were able to control Joe Biden. Uh, I, I seriously, I've, I've said this to somebody else in this show uh, that was hosting in uh, two weeks ago. I seriously think that if it's not Joe Biden, there's a big chance it's going to be John Fetterman. Because he's controllable. You could tell him what to do. They're not going to say, hey, he's not a part of the administration. Uh <laughs> Why they go with Joe Biden? They, they can't. They can't put Fetterman. I mean, my my, my dog Sully could beat Fetterman. <laughs> Sully's a great I mean, big Anatolian listen. shepherd. He's a gorgeous guy. I mean, he really, really good. He'd get the women's vote for sure. Okay, Sully that, is so gorgeous, and yeah, he he would be John Fetterman. You know, that could be a good choice for the Democrats. You take a dog, they're way more obeying than even Joe Biden, and you say, hey, look at this beautiful puppy. I'll make great decisions, and you blame everything on the dog. That would be a <laughs> pr- pretty good way to go about it. I mean, Joe Biden is not is not much better in terms of doing anything than that. Uh, I mean, you just look at how screwed up he is. It's not even surprising that they found the cocaine at the White House. I was like, hey, we finally know exactly what they give Joe Biden whenever he goes out to the public, because otherwise he'd be totally dead in I mean, terms of enthusiasm and energy. Well, let's take two things you just brought up. Number one, they find cocaine in, in the West Wing of the White House. That's in, that's insane. That's crazy. Yeah, and we, that's, we, that's we, crazy, but not surprising. We have come to this, really. There's cocaine in the West. And imagine, just imagine, if that cocaine yep. had been found, say, in the George W. Bush White House or or right. certainly the Donald Trump White House. Uh, can can uh, yep. you just imagine the incandescent glow that would be coming off the media if that this had happened with Trump or or George W. Bush or any Republican in the White House. 
they'd be beside themselves. Uh, this cocaine is a it's a deadly substance, and if it wasn't under the Trump administration where they found it, they'd say they got to impeach President Trump for bringing a, a, a poisonous thing, and he wanted to kill people in the White House. That's what, they'd blame it on Trump and say, hey, we got to impeach, impeach him again for this because he's the one that has the most clearance and he's he can get in the easiest without a you know full security check but if if they haven't come out by now i don't even have to wait longer for them to come out and say who the cocaine person was that brought it in if, if at this point the secret service hasn't found out who it was then they, they certainly know and they're just not telling us and it's very I possibly doubt, hunter I, biden or someone else from the family i doubt they'll ever tell us I, I doubt that we'll ever know they'll say it's been dealt with and that'll be the end of it this story's not going to last very long because they're going to kill it it's just it's just not going to hang around very long but let's go back to what you're talking about before i let you go um alex let's go back to you talking about rfk jr robert f kennedy jr jack kennedy's nephew president kennedy um Mm -hmm. he he unlike today's democrats very frequently says things that are actually sane i mean actual coherent commonsensical things come out of Robert F. Kennedy's mouth. You know, and yep. I, I, he's too liberal for me. I still wouldn't vote for him. I don't, I, he's, he's still, a, he's still a, a way too liberal f- for me to ever consider voting for. But he's not crazy. He's not completely off the charts insane. And he is reflective of his uncle's Democratic Party. There's the thing about Jack Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, who was the president of the United States for, what, the three years before he was cut down, the thing about him was, if he is, if he were to run today, it'd be hard for him to run as a Democrat because the Democratic Party is way, way, way farther left than he was as president. He cut taxes. He was a, and he was very adamant about cutting taxes. He was very, very pro-American and very openly and unabashedly patriotic, and he was very staunchly anti-communist, and he was very staunchly pro-American military. He, he wanted a strong U.S. military. He was the kind of, uh, kind of guy now that would be a moderate Republican rather than a Democrat. So RFK, the reason I didn't bring him up in the setup of the show, the monologue, is I don't think there's just any chance at all that the uh, Democrats would, uh, would put him up uh, is the nominee. He's just not far left enough. He's not crazy enough for them. Right. What- but it is it is extremely surprising that he's polling at 20 percent. I thought the Democratic Party was way, way farther left. And I thought they maybe have like 5 percent at this point in time that, that are moderate. It's, it's surprising that you got those 20 percent. But the old Democratic Party, they, they were people of different opinions, right? They, they had their opinions that they believed in, like JFK, and they just had a different opinion, and it was more liberal opinion. But now what you have with the Democratic Party, they're socialist, communists, and they want to do whatever they want, and they justify it. They, they say, hey, we'll just force you to do what we want you to do, and we'll say it's the right thing. Like, even Bidenomics, so he screws up the economy, and he says it's good because that's what he wants Democrats to believe in. And some Democrats buy it because Joe Biden says he loves them, so he got to love us, right, because he has this he has a pretty decent smile, and that's what it all comes down to. It's become a party of emotion, and that's how the Democratic establishment gets their voters. They play around. They, they freak out black people. They, they use drama and emotion to get their people in uh, to vote for them. But uh, this Bidenomics thing, 
it's just another example of them screwing something up, just giving a good name for it. They did this with some bills, like the like the infrastructure bill, the inflation reduction bill, which increases inflation. They just gave it a name that's good. The Inflation Reduction Act. The Inflation Reduction Act was in fact a climate change bill. They just stuck a name on it. They said, oh, well, I'm for reducing inflation. Yeah, I'm for that. It had nothing to do with reducing inflation. It was a climate change bill. They just gave it a bogus name. It was the opposite of what the name was. It was an in- increasing inflation yes. bill through put, you know, doing uh, environment stuff, whatever that they wanted to do with that bill. But let, I just want to say this last thing about Bidenomics. It is the wrong uh, campaign slogan to have. I mean, if I was President Trump, I'd put out a sign, Bidenomics, do you want more of it? He's doing the job for us to some extent. So thank you, Joe Biden. If I was him and I'd want to put out a good campaign slogan, it'd be, I'll be sleeping two hours more a day if you vote for me in 2024. Because the best thing about this presidency is that Joe Biden sleeps a lot. Because when he sleeps, he can't sign executive orders and do those disastrous (laughs) things that he's doing. All right. Hey, Alex, so bottom line, you you want to see Biden on the ticket for the Democrats. You and want to I run do. against him. That's your bottom oh, sure. line. That'd be, the, that'd be my best lunch, for sure. Okay, very good. Hey, Alex, good stuff. 888-788-9910. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. Listen, with respect to Bidenomics, which um, Alex just brought up there, here's a little uh, summary of Bidenomics from President Biden himself. Cut four. My dad used to have an expression for growing up, my word. He said, Joey, a job's a lot of, about a lot more than the paycheck. It's about your dignity. It's about respect. It's about being able to look your kid in the eye and say, honey, it's going to be okay and mean it. That's Bidenomics. Yeah, okay. It's really that's what always work best for this country. Inve- go, listen, go ahead and play that. Cut four, because that's what we were going for. Go ahead and play it. We see stronger economic growth that benefits everybody. I've long said... It's never been a good bet to bet against America. Yeah, what President Biden said there is you know, that uh, Bidenomics is uh, rooted in what always worked best for the country, investing in America. The question is, who's doing the investing? Is the government doing the investing but via taking your taxes and then turning around and spending it on, on uh, government programs? Or is it you and me and uh, the people who own small businesses doing the investing? I can promise you which one works better. When you, when you unleash the animal instincts of, of free Americans investing their capital as they best see fit, investing in the form of spending it on, on things to go in their homes and in their lives, or investing capital to start and run small businesses, you unleash that, you get a strong country. You take that money out of the economy under Bidenomics and invest it through government spending programs, the Inflation Reduction Act, and, 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 and garbage like that, things, great big unwieldy, festering government programs, you don't get the kinds of results that you get when you unleash the private sector doing the investing. So he's talking about investing in America. Yes, absolutely invest in America. But who's doing the investing? And if you're a left-wing Democrat like Joe Biden, you think government does the investing. But if you're a conservative like us, and particularly if you're a guy like me who owns a small business, I own radio stations in East Texas, and my clients are all independent small business owners, the people who support this business and cover the paychecks for my employees, I, I can tell you which one does a better job of making the, making the economy work. It's people, individuals, freely investing their own capital. That's what makes 
the economy work, not Bidenomics. What do you think? 888-788-9910. And the question on the floor is, who do you want to see on the Democratic side of the ticket? Gretchen Whitmer is being pushed by a lot of high-ranking Democrats as the ideal person to succeed Joe Biden. A lot of people, the Democrats, wanted to see her as his running mate to begin with. They think a great opportunity was missed. They'd like to see Gretchen Whitmer. Gavin Newsom would like to see Gavin Newsom. He thinks he should be president of the United States. Which of these do you think we can most easily beat? And which one, conversely, which one should we fear the most? That's the topic on the floor today, 888-788-9910. And the bonus question, if you want to weigh in on it, since we got the job numbers in this morning, what's the worst job you ever had? Either is an entry-level job when you were a kid or is a job that you had as an adult trying to make a living, 888-788-9910. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fela here on Fox Across America. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He is one of those iconic figures that fans care about. Coming back. It is Fox Across America. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. I really want to hear from you guys today. I love taking calls when I fill in for Jimmy because I get to talk to people from all over the country uh, about what's going on in the world and what's going on in politics and what's happening in current events. The question we put up here in the first hour is, if you could pick who you were going to run against, when I say you, who, who the Republican nominee, whomever that turns out to be, Trump or DeSantis or somebody else, that's not the question. The question is, which Democrat do you want to run against? And conversely, which one do you fear the most? Which one would you not want to run against? 888-788-9910. John, San Diego, California. That's Gavin Newsom country. What do you say? Hey, good morning and good afternoon. Thanks for taking the call. Yes, sir. You do a great job, by the way. Well, thank um, you. In California, it's kind of crazy because uh, Newsom, we call him nuisance over here. He's just full of shift, if you will. And, I was afraid uh, you were, I was afraid I was going to have to hit the button there, John. I was reaching <laughs> for it. No, Adam Schiff. Yes. Um, but basically, basically, he's done nothing good in California. He wants everyone to get electric cars, but the grid can't handle it. And it's just really backwards. So my question or my, or my problem is that I think that no matter who – the Democrats get into the picture is going to be a problem because they own the media and half of the country or more are just clueless. They don't remember what happened yesterday, and I think they do that on purpose to keep them confused, but they'll vote for whoever they put in there. So um, I think whoever gets in is going to have a great advantage. And as far as fear, I think nuisance or Newsom is the one that I fear the most because he's totally clueless. And if you did something with him and Whitmer, who, uh, you know, Cruella DeVille, Whitmer and or Kamala Harris, if you put that mix together, plus the mainstream media just totally milking over the limited brain cells of the Democratic voters, uh, I think basically you have a real problem. So that's my perspective. Okay, well, I understand that. You know, a Newsom-Whitmer ticket, the question is, is Whitmer willing to wait eight years for her shot at the top job, or would she want to go into it right now? But, I, you know, she's, she, demurs. You. She, she demurs. You know, she demurs. She says she's not it, interested. From the, me, from the woke standpoint, it's really tough because 
you know, Kamala Harris is quote unquote black. So therefore she's the woke one and she's the one that they want. But as you can see, and you know, and you so eloquently pointed out this morning, she can't say two sentences together. She can't even order a double double with, with animal style fries. She can't even say that. So basically they've got to put her in the ticket. Otherwise they're in trouble with a lot of the African-American and minority voters and as well as the, the, the power machine, if you will. So what do you do? Do you put Kamala Harris first and you put Newsom's second? Well, that'll uh, never happen because New, Newsom will never, Newsom will never, never sit uh, second chair, never. Yeah, I hear you, but at the same time, the problem is they've got Kamala Harris in there, and you can't really kick her oh. to the curb. What do you think? Well, I think that one way they could kick her to the curb is to um, is to sweep uh, Biden out of the of the race early, either get him out of uh, office. Well, they would if they want to get rid of Kamala, they wouldn't get him out of office. They would uh, they would uh, ditch his. Uh, candidacy and then say we're going to we're going to move on and whomever the the nominee is whomever we get behind gets to pick his or her own vice presidential nominee you could you could gracefully get out of the Kamala Harris problem that way but that's about the only way you can gracefully get out of her as the problem that she is because you know they're hoist by their own petard they want they go they they do this box checking and they get stuck with these incompetence and Kamala Harris is profoundly industrial grade incompetent i mean she is just really awful and she has tragic poll numbers she doesn't have the support of anybody but let's go back to your guy as you call him nuisance gavin newsom that guy scares me as the guy scares me as a voter in texas uh because i saw him on he didn't scare me till i saw him on hannity the other night and i watched him and he's pretty pretty damn good and like he would able when he cast out up to Hannity, it was almost like they were buds, and you almost wanted to like him. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, I, I know, and it, I, I know. And he, he's he, listen. He would bring along a lot of those people that are there in the middle, the people that decide elections. Uh, he's the kind of guy that people that vote emotionally, that don't vote on facts, they vote on feelings. He would bring a lot of those people along, and that's a very scary thing. So listen, John, um, I'm I'm glad you're you're having to deal with Gavin Newsom there in California. He's not my governor. Appreciate your call. 888-788-9910. It's Paul Gleiser sending in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. We'll keep taking your calls as we start off the second hour. That's coming up. It's going to be fun. Don't go away. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And welcome to Hour 2 of Fox Across America. Paul Gleiser from KTBB Radio, Tyler Longview, Texas, sitting in for Jimmy. Jimmy will do like a whole lot of people uh, next week. He'll come back to work. A lot of people took the entirety of the 4th of July week off. It fell on a Tuesday. Nobody came to work on Monday and then... Wednesday, you had too much beer. Just a good week to take a week off. A lot of my friends left town, so everybody will be back where they belong on uh, Monday. But for today, it's you and me and 888-788-9910. And if you missed the first hour of the show, here's what we set up. We're going to continue with this half hour before we get to Tudor Dixon at the bottom of the hour. But here's what we set up. You remember Rush Limbaugh? 
uh, ran Operation Chaos. And the Operation Chaos, the, the idea behind it was Republicans go vote in Democrat primaries so that you can vote in the person most easily defeated in the general election. That was Operation Chaos. Not clear that it ever actually affected a primary to the point that the weaker candidate won over the stronger candidate, but it sure as hell pissed off a lot of Democrats. But here's the question for today. If you were doing Operation Chaos today and you had a field of potential Democrats that you could vote vote for in a primary that consisted of the incumbent, Joe Biden, President of the United States, Kamala Harris, Vice President of the United States, hypothetically speaking, if for whatever reason Biden cannot or will not run, actually complete a campaign, or um, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, who wakes up every morning and sees a president in the mirror when he's shaving, or Gretchen Whitmer, whom a whole lot of top-ranking Democrats really wanted to see Biden pick as his uh, running mate rather than Kamala Harris. Gretchen Whitmer is the governor of, of Michigan. She beat our bottom-of-the-hour guest, Tudor Dixon, by about eight points in the 2022 election for governor in, in, um, in Michigan. She was a big lockdowner. I mean, she was a big lockdowner. Down to you, the home center store was open, and you could buy uh, this, but you couldn't buy gardening supplies. You could work on your house, but you couldn't work in your garden. I don't. It never made any sense to me. This is the same governor who said you had to stay home, but they caught her husband out on the on his on their boat. doing pleasure boating when everybody else was supposed to stay home. She was a big lockdowner, a big, big command and control, big liberal Democrat. But a whole lot of people in the Democratic Party are fawning over her. And she won pretty handily in Michigan. Michigan is a state you got to carry. It's a state that, that Donald Trump picked off in 2016. So she's in she's in play. She says she's not, but if anything happens to Biden, she certainly will be. Or RFK, I didn't bring him up in the first hour. If you would you would you pick him to for the Republican to run against or would he be conversely somebody that you would fear? 888-788-9910. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. And we're in Longview. It's Joe next. Longview, Texas, by the way, not far from where I'm sitting. Joe, you're up on Fox Across America. What do you say? Hey, Paul. How's it going? Enjoy What's going on, right? Thank you. Hey, listen, uh, my opinion, or I don't think it makes any difference who the Democrats or the Marxist Party. It doesn't matter who they put in. Because they're just going to be a figurehead, just as Joe. Well, Biden yeah, yeah, did. yeah. But no, let's do, forget about that. It's, it's the politics. Who do we think we can beat? Because don't think that the Democrats will be easily beaten in twenty twenty four. They won't be. I know that's what I'm saying. Because, like I said, I just don't think it's going to matter. But because I see uh, Gavin Newsom or uh, Kennedy. They might be less controllable than some of the others, but most of them are are just in the bag for the for the party. You're going to do what they want done. As like I was telling your call screener earlier, you know Donald Trump, his his election and his presidency brought all this to the forefront much quicker, I think, than they had planned because he threw a monkey wrench into all of their plans slowed down their global agenda, and uh, so 
you know, it's if and if it goes the same way the last the last election did, we may have a hard time getting anybody in. Well, here's the thing about so, that. Here's the thing about that, Joe. <clears throat> if um, if the Republicans don't embrace all the things that the Democrats have embraced with respect to running elections, it's going to be hard for the Republicans to win. I am a guy who believes in Election Day, that we, we declare it as a national holiday. It's a federal holiday. Everybody's off from work, and we all vote on the same day, and we count the ballots that evening, and we pick who, we decide who won. I think that's the way elections ought to be run. It's the way they're run in most countries. But we, we, we going back in time, we created absentee ballots. I said, I'm going to be away. I'm going to be traveling unavoidably away from my home. So we created absentee ballots. That morphed into early voting, which, you know, you start voting a month before Election Day, and you could just kind of go in at your leisure while you're out picking up the dry cleaning and vote. And that then the, then the, then the pandemic particularly brought in mail-in ballots, where you could mail in your vote, not ever leave your house. And I'm not in favor of all of that. I don't like it. But the fact is, it's here. And the Democrats have played it like a Stradivarius. And if the Republicans don't start playing the game the same way, they're going to go into election night every night down a half a million votes. And that we simply cannot allow to continue. So Republicans are going to have to get good at promoting mail-in balloting and collecting mail-in ballots, and they're going to have to get good at making sure that they get a great turnout in the early voting, the early voters, making sure they're good in that turnout. They're going to have to embrace elections the way they are currently being conducted, not as we, as we wish they were being conducted. That's just an electoral fact that we're going to have to face. And if we, if we don't, the risk is we're going to lose election after election after election. I agree with you. I'd I'd like to see it be done that way also. Uh, Sean Hannity talks about doing that with the paper ballots and each ballot with a number coinciding with that voter. Yeah. It it can you know. be done if you have the will. The thing is, you know, you have a lot of, uh, you know, voting is very, very highly local. We don't have national elections. Only kind of elections we have in this country are local elections. You you go to your precinct and your precinct chairman runs that election. We don't we don't vote for the president nationally. We vote precinct by precinct, county by county, state by state. And in states where they where they really really want to in some in some precincts and in some counties, they're not dedicated toward free and fair elections. They're dedicated toward getting the outcome they want, and that takes a lot of policing that the Republican Party has been unwilling or just simply not aware that they needed to do. And that's got to get fixed. You got to get great poll watching. You got to get great systems in place so that you know that every ballot is legitimate. It's not one that was manufactured at the last minute when you knew how many votes you needed. And you and you really have to do all of that so that every American, Republican, Democrat, Independent, can look at the election and say, okay, I believe in it. We have to we have to have trust in the electoral process or we lose the republic. Well that's that's why we saw what we did in the last election. You know, and I'm not that were pulled in Pennsylvania and Arizona and Georgia, Georgia. you know, they, Georgia, they stopped counting ballots because of a water main break, except it wasn't a water main break. It was an overflowing toilet in the convention center. 
and they stopped right. counting ballots, except they didn't stop counting ballots. And, you know, and whether whether the election was stolen or not, whether the outcome was legitimate or not, we're not going to debate that here today. The problem is about 40 percent of the country looked at it and says, I'm not sure I trust it. And that you, you simply can't let that happen. Everybody needs to be able to look at the election process and say, I believe that it's that is it is far and away fair and and accurate and proper and i don't have that i didn't have that feeling on uh, the day after the election in 2020 i didn't did you i didn't no i don't think many people did you know and i think that's what's the the problem now with nobody has faith in our election system all right well i'm going to or in our government period right now all right. Well, John, before I let you go, I am going to pin you down. you got to pick somebody. Who do you want the Republican nominee to run against in 2024? you got to pick somebody. Wow. Kennedy. Okay. That's uh, interesting. I don't, th- I, I, think, mean, I don't think Kennedy would be easily beaten. I think he would – I think if he were to actually well, campaign, he, a lot of people would fall in behind him. People that might otherwise vote for the Republican might vote for him. Well, if you look at the ones outside of Biden that might even get there, in my opinion, would be Kennedy, Whitmer, or Newsom. Yeah, which and I don't you, think any of the any of them would be easily beaten. No, I don't think any of them would be easily beaten either. So I'm back to I'd rather see Joe Biden just yeah rock on with I his mean, bad self, you know. Right. I mean, in a fair, if the election were fair, I think Donald Trump would have a shot at it again. I think there's still plenty of support for him. There's an there's an there's no question. There's a massive amount of support for him in the in the Republican Party. There is a you know, the, the the core is solidly behind uh, Donald Trump, and uh, his indictment only served to improve his poll numbers and improve his fundraising. Yeah, and so, I think I think most people see and understand that what's going on now is just more the same of what happened when he came down the escalator at the very beginning they've been after him ever since and they're not going to let up till he's out of the way here's the difference between the death of him here's the difference between he came between when he came down the escalator in 2015 and now here's the big difference in 2015 the media was amused they thought this will be fun we'll get good ratings off of this we'll laugh our way all the way through primary season they thought it was funny in 2015, when he oh, came yeah. down the escalator, they don't think it's funny anymore. They're, no, I think they see him. They see him. Yeah, everybody was just everybody was was amused. I will confess that when he came down the escalator, I said, "Okay, there's a showman for you." He has no shot in hell of being the president, but that's a. I mean, I, I'm I'm a broadcaster. I've been promoting all my life. I admire a good promoter, and I said that is a hell of a good promotion for him. He's a smart guy doing this. Because it's not so crazy as just to be completely implausible, but on the other hand, there's no chance he's going to be president. It didn't take me long, certainly by the New Hampshire primary in in, in uh, 2016, the Jan- late January, early February of 2016, for whenever it happened. But then I I thought I was convinced, published it on my website that I thought that it would be uh, Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election, and I thought Donald Trump had a clear shot to win. Turned out I was right. So they they're not laughing at him anymore. They're they they, no. they don't think he's funny anymore. No, like I said, uh, they're scared to death of him now. And 
and they but on the other you know, hand it, the, the, the on the other hand the Biden campaign believes that Donald Trump would be the one that he would most easily beat we'll see how it plays out hey good stuff uh, uh, John I appreciate your call and that frees up a line 888-788-9910 it's Paul Gleiser for Jimmy Fela Fox Across America the show continues after the break this thing is going to become gargantuan when the Son of Man comes. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. Taking your calls, 888-788-9910. The question on the floor today is... If you were voting in a Democratic primary trying to select the candidate you could most easily beat as a Republican, whom among the field that we know of now would you pick? 888-788-9910. We're in Quincy, Illinois. It's Michael next. Michael, what do you say? Hey, Paul. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. I'm actually from Georgia. I wanted to mention Georgia. Uh, you talked about it a few minutes ago. But yes, yeah, sir. I'm on my way to Quincy. I was in Texas a couple of days ago when I talked to you. Why'd you? Well, well, listen, don't leave. Texas is a good place. Uh, oh, yeah. It was hot, though. Come it on, is. Paul. Oh, it's it miserable. Hot. There's no, no uh, better. It's no better in, in Atlanta, truth be told. So, but, uh, well, that's true. Let me give you a quick update on Georgia. So uh, Georgia has tightened down. You know, they say... Oh, Jim Crow, all that. Well, that's not true. They've gotten rid of the uh, of, of ballot boxes, the unattended ballot boxes. That's great. They've tightened up the absentee ballot uh, process, so that's going to eliminate all that fraud. Uh, I do like the early voting. We've got three weeks of voting ahead of Election Day, and that's, that's good for me because I can get home one of those days and go vote. And so uh, Georgia's, uh, Georgia, I think, is a lot better state uh, place than we were uh, back in 2020. But here's what scares me. About cost you, it, co- it, co- it, it cost you the All-Star game, all of that. Yeah. Uh, oh, I know. I know. Uh, well, let's don't get into that. That's another uh, thorn in. That's my a whole. Side. That's a whole but other anyway. talk show. Anyway, so who who are you yeah. picking? Who, who are you picking for twenty twenty four for the Dems that you'd like to run against? Well, I would like to run against Newsom because he's such a snake oil salesman, and I mean he, he's a smooth talking. He's like a used car salesman, but. What scares me, Paul, is there are enough states out there that have not done what Georgia did. They have not tightened up their election process. You have Pennsylvania electing Frankenstein to the Senate, and, you know, everybody, oh, yeah, that's great. He's the best candidate. What, you know, so that's what's the maddening part, uh, Paul, is it's like, we know there are problems, but we're not going to fix it. We like the outcome. Well, so let, let's give let's give Pen- let's give let's give Pennsylvania this much de- this much defense. Mehmet Oz okay. was a Mehmet Oz. Doctor Oz was a terrible candidate. Well, I'll agree with that. He was terrible. <laughs> I think I think a I think what what cost the Demo- the Republicans in twenty twenty two is some really weak candidate choices, some really poor vetting. I think if 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 Pennsylvania had had a good Republican choice for that Senate seat, it would be occupied by a Republican today instead of poor John Fetterman, who is just is he's, he's disabled. There's no way to, no other way to say it. It, it, it's, it's almost as bad as Biden. It's abusive. They shouldn't be in office. They should be eating soup in a home. But that's a whole other story. So, uh, yeah, I hope I hope people get uh, the, the the people in 
in charge will say, you know, we need to get this right and fix things. But, man, I tell you, it's an uphill battle for Republicans because there's just too many Democrat states that are going to let shenanigans go on around elections. Well, here, and here's, here's, the, here's the other problem, which is why you have to be real careful who you nominate is on the Republican side, it, it, it's, it, this is not ever going to go away. The electoral map, if you just look at it and, and it, look at it objectively, it is stacked against Republicans. The Democrats go into election night with an advantage, always. And it, the only way a Republican can win is to pick off some states that otherwise would go, that would more easily go to the Democrat. When Republicans, when when Democrats win the Electoral College, they win big. When Republicans win the Electoral College, they barely squeak by. That's because for Republicans to win, they've got to pick off a Pennsylvania or a Michigan or a Wisconsin or one of those states. Now it's any more. We're looking at Georgia is a is a toss-up state. You go or an Arizona or a Nevada. You got to pick off some states that, left to their own devices, will go uh, Democrat. And that's what makes it so hard for Republicans. And that's why you want to be you know be able to pick who you run against on the Democratic side. You want to be re- real careful who you put up on your side. Hey, appreciate the call, Michael. Eight 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 seven eight eight ninety nine ten. Tudor Dixon coming up after the bottom of the hour break. Here it's well. Fox Across America. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. We'll uh, we'll get to that just right after the news. Stay stick around. It's the midway point of Fox Across America for a Friday. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy returns on Monday. Meanwhile, he's going to be in Michigan where our, where our next guest, Tudor Dixon, from which she hails. She's, she's from Michigan on the line with us. Tudor, how are you? I'm great. I'm looking forward to the show. Jimmy Fela and Jimmy and, uh, and, and Kennedy, the Laughs and Liberty Tour, Holland, Michigan, the Holland Civic Center, 730 tomorrow night, Ticketmaster. There are still seats available, although I'm looking at it, it's pretty, pretty well sold. So if you're in that part of the world, you want to catch Jimmy and Kennedy there in Holland, Michigan. But let's talk to you, Tudor. Uh, thanks for being part of the program, number one. I really appreciate it. No, oh, thank you for having me. And number two, we I, I let off the show an hour and a half ago with the proposition, if you recall Rush Limbaugh's uh, Operation Chaos, where uh, the, the goal was to for Republicans to go vote in a Democratic primary in order to push the, the most easily beaten candidate to the top of the ticket in the primary so you could beat him in the general. So of, of the list of people that could conceivably be on the Democratic ticket, including the incumbent Joe Biden, which one do you most want to see as the opponent for the Republicans? One of the names that's certainly on the list of potential nominees, assuming that Joe Biden, for whatever reason, cannot continue as a candidate, is the person that uh, you ran against uh, in 2022 for, uh, the, for the governorship of uh, Michigan. That would be Gretchen Whitmer. So fill us in on Gretchen Whitmer and tell us about that race. Well, it, the race was interesting because she ran solely on social issues, and that was very effective for her. But if, Because if you look at the state of Michigan itself, since she's taken control of the state, it's been a complete disaster economically and education. 
in tourism. Every area of Michigan has declined since Gretchen Whitmer took office, and she continues to increase the budget every year to inflated numbers that are not sustainable. And putting these this money into areas like education, even though we've seen such a significant decline, we're now in the bottom 10 in the nation. And for black students in the state of Michigan, under Gretchen Whitmer, they went from the bottom 10 in reading and math proficiency to the bottom five. I mean, it is a very catastrophic situation. We have population loss. She has not addressed this. She has not been able to to recruit headquarters to the state of Michigan. There are not businesses moving in. She has partnered with a business that has connections with the Chinese Communist Party, and she is not apologetic about that whatsoever. In fact, she's giving them hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars to try to say she's brought jobs in here, and that will at best bring in about 2,000 jobs. But a lot of Democrats are swooning over her, and uh, Vanity Fair wrote this uh, just glowing article about her a couple of weeks ago or last month or whenever it was. I lose track of time, and Politico has a piece about her today that says that a lot of Democrats wish it had been her instead of Kamala Harris as the running mate to Joe Biden. Democrats seem enthused about her, and in Michigan, she on her coattails swept in control of both uh, houses of the Michigan legislature. So what is it that Michiganders see about her that that we don't and why do they why did she why did she beat you and and why is she seen as somebody that's a contender for the presidency? Well, I think that she was. I mean, we know she was on the short list for vice president from what we've seen from looking at the opposition research on her campaign. Her staff had already started to to look at properties in Washington, D.C., because supposedly Joe Biden had told her, you are it. You're going to be vice president. And then when it came down to it, the folks around him who apparently tell him what to do, as we've heard him say multiple times, told him she doesn't check enough boxes. And now she is the co-chair of the campaign. I think they're trying to make up to her. You know, this whole thing with Kamala coming out and saying these ridiculously embarrassing things constantly. Now we're hearing, well, there's a chance that even if she doesn't run for president, she could potentially step in as vice president. Maybe they switch out vice presidential candidates. I mean, that's all very interesting. The state of Michigan, I would argue that it's not so much that the state of Michigan came out for her. It's that the Democrats in general have a targeting machine that came from the state of Colorado and came to Michigan, and they used that targeting approach to get more people out. If you look at the numbers, we as Republicans, I received more votes for governor than any Republican has ever received in the past in the state of Michigan, but we still couldn't beat her. Suddenly they had an influx of votes that we have not seen in the past. And this is because they have a machine that is micro-targeting people and hitting them with these emotional issues. It's not the candidate themselves. It's not the fact that she is compelling. It's the fact that they had these groups sending text messages and emails and videos and, and going to people's social media and advertising there on issues campaigns that moved people into that category that said, I'm, I haven't voted before, but I'm going to go out and vote for this issue, not for this person. And that's where I think Republicans need to get in the game and recognize that there is a way to move voters. And you can't just expect one candidate to be able to run a bunch of rallies and bring people out to the voting booth. But I don't think the Republicans, I I, I, I think if uh, the Democrats are on third base rounding home, 
in terms of that kind, that level of of uh, uh, of operating a campaign, the Republicans haven't suited up and come out of the clubhouse yet. I mean, I think oh, the Republicans no, no. are exactly. way behind. No, we are easily, easily 10 years behind. I would say that this was – they started testing this out in the Obama years. People were like, oh, this is just a community activist. He's just a community organizer bringing people together. No, it was a group of – I mean, he was the lead saying this is how this is done. And they put millions upon millions of dollars behind these groups that run this ground game that is a very technologically advanced ground game. I think when Republicans hear ground game, they think of people going door to door. This is way beyond that. It's technology meeting people in their hands, on their phones, in their face every single day, whereas Republicans were like, come to us and we'll tell you what we're about. You're absolutely right. We are a decade behind. And so I have talked to Republicans across the country, and, and today here, again, I will say, organize. Figure out what it takes to raise the money, run the issues ads, go out there and talk about the fact that folks are on this side of the issue will help you out more when it comes to economy, national security, education. Make sure people know where your candidates stand or you will never have your candidate winning a race. Gretchen, I'm, I'm so, oh, God forgive me, Tudor Dixon from uh, from Michigan's on the line with us here on Fox Across America. So, Tudor, going going back in history, 2004, Michigan went for John Kerry. 2008, it went for Barack Obama. 2012, it went for Barack Obama. 2020, it went for Joe Biden. But 2016 is the outlier. Michigan went for Donald Trump. What changed? How did that happen? Well, Michigan is an interesting state. It is mostly conservative. So you will see that we go from Republican to Democrat governor. We went from Engler, who was a Republican, to Granholm, who was a Democrat, to Snyder, Republican, to Whitmer, Democrat. We are very much a purple state. And that's why it is imperative that we have people doing what I just said. But with Trump, Trump was obviously a a different type of candidate and a candidate who spoke to the unions, spoke to the working people. And the, the unions have historically come out for the Democrats. Now, suddenly, even though the union bosses were saying, go out and vote Democrat, the union members were saying, ah, wait a minute, I see our jobs leaving the state of Michigan. I see manufacturing leaving the state of Michigan. I see automotive companies opening outside of the state of Michigan. Our legacy industry is leaving and going to Mexico. But Donald Trump is telling me he's going to tell Mexico, you have to give up our manufacturing, give it back to us. So he's going to drag the automotive companies back to the state of Michigan, and that brought people back because it's about what happens every day in your life. Are you able to pay your bills? Do you have a job to go to? Do you have industry in your state that is building up your communities? I mean, when it comes down to it, if your community is broken down, you know it's because there's no business to support it, and that's what people see every day in the state of Michigan. Let's talk about the state of Michigan and the automotive industry and the fact that that is the biggest, that is what Michigan is known for. Detroit is Motor City. This mad push by the, uh, by the Biden administration to push EVs, everything I read says that, that electric vehicle manufacturing is going to cost American automobile manufacturing jobs. Is that right or wrong? Well, absolutely, because it's a different process, first of all. And so it takes a lot less people to make an electric 
battery electric engine um, for a vehicle. It's, it's going to cost jobs, but it's not only that. It's going to cost a heck of a lot of money, and somehow it continues to come out of the taxpayer's pocket when uh, they lose all this money because the consumer is not saying, I want an electric vehicle. This is the first time that the consumer is not driving where the free market goes. The government is saying, no, no, you have to do this. We don't care how much money you're going to lose. We'll reimburse you. You have to do this. So Ford last year lost $2 billion on their EV vehicles, and yet the government is saying, keep going, keep going. Now, we know this is also connecting us very heavily to China because the batteries are made there. And even when they are coming to the United States, these battery companies are connected to the Chinese Communist Party. And that's what's happening in Michigan. She's bringing in this Chinese Communist company to make batteries that will likely never be used in the United States. And the environmental impact of that is incredibly great. But because they want to tell you that EV batteries are better, they didn't run an, an, an environmental test on this new company that's coming here. And I really do believe that that is to hide the fact that this could be an environmental disaster instead of the environmental success that they're saying that it's going to be. I believe that the United States needs to manufacture things. It it bothers me greatly. It, it kills me that we are not the big muscular nation that won World War II. The fact that we know that we so much of what we used to make here we've sent overseas, the, the, the whole globalist push, part of that is driven by the fact that companies are going to go where they can get the cheapest labor and we don't have the cheapest labor. And you have the problem with the unions drove up the cost of making things to the point there was an economic incentive to go someplace else. But with all of that said, if, if, if you were governor of, of the state of Michigan today, what would you be doing to rebuild that muscular manufacturing that used to define the state? Well, look, so my family owned a steel foundry. I worked in the foundries for nearly a decade. That foundry, you, you talk about World War II, that foundry before the war was making automotive equipment. During the war, when things got ugly, they had to shut down their automotive manufacturing and make bombs. And that is what I say. If you don't have manufacturers, when it comes to wartime, and at some point it will, who will be making your military vehicles? Who will be making your weapons? Who will be making your bombs? Because you're not going to be ordering those from the person who's coming after you. And that's what China well knows. And that's why in the state of Michigan, it is key that we reduce our energy costs, that we go to people, we have the land, that we have the land shovel ready, that we make sure we have the utilities out there and ready for these manufacturing companies to come here and succeed. But right now, the state of Michigan is unappealing because it is too expensive to come here. There is no housing. The utilities are not there. The roads are not secure. We are not able to get the the materials into these manufacturing companies that they need because of our poor infrastructure here. We rate at the bottom of the list for infrastructure in the state of Michigan. All of these things need to be improved, and there has to be negotiation and conversation with American company, companies, and that's something that the governor of Michigan right now doesn't even know the first thing of how to do that, and so therefore she just isn't. Okay, in, the, in the about a minute, minute, a minute and a half that we have left here, Tudor, I really appreciate you being with us, Tudor Dixon from Michigan. Gretchen Whitmer, she's 51 years old. Eight years from now, she'd still be, you know, on election day of uh, of 20, what do you, eight, uh, 
2032, she would be 61 years old or thereabouts, still, you know, relatively young. Do you see her as a, a, ever being the Democratic nominee? Do you see her being a factor here in 2024? Absolutely. I mean, she is placing these articles. Her staff is making sure that Vanity Fair is getting out there and doing a puff piece, that Politico, that The Atlantic, that the, all of these places are doing these puff pieces on her where Gavin Newsom is running ads. She's making it look like there is organic support for her. Well, that's that pretty smart. It is. That's, that is the trick. She is a terrible governor. She knows nothing about taking care of a state or being a CEO, but she is a great manipulator, and she knows exactly how to get in the hearts and minds of people. Remind us of the story where, first of all, she said you couldn't garden. I mean, her, her lockdown rules seemed completely insane to me, and, and her husband got caught boating. Just in the, sum those up. You couldn't buy seeds. You couldn't go to the grocery store. Sections of the store were closed down. Nobody could go out and boat. You couldn't go out and boat on your own. But the day it opened, her husband went to the marina and he said, I want my boat out first. And the guy said, you're in a long line. He said, does it help if I say I'm the governor's husband? And he said, now you're at the back of that line. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, good. She she had locked down so long. She locked down restaurants longer than any other state. And just this week, it came out that the court said that her orders were unconstitutional. She passed those uh, off to the Health and Human Services. That's now been deemed unconstitutional. So she's willing to break the rules to get the, the what she wants. A little late to get that ruling to help those poor restaurateurs, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Tudor Dixon from Michigan. Hey, I appreciate you being part of the program. Have a great weekend. Hope to get to talk to you again, Tudor. Thanks a lot for the time. Yeah, thank you so much. Good stuff from Tudor Dixon. There she goes. Here we go. More of Fox Across America. Paul Gleiser for Jimmy Fallon coming up. Stay with us. Jimmy Fallon. Nice kid, but a little dumb. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's Fox Across America. I'm Paul Gleiser from the great state of Texas. Sitting in for Jimmy Fallon today, Jimmy will return on Monday. Meanwhile, this weekend, tomorrow night, he's in Holland, Michigan at the Holland Civic Center Place, 7.30 p.m. with Kennedy. It's the Laughs and Liberty Tour. It'd be a banger. Those two are great together. If you're in that part of the world, tickets are still available on Ticketmaster. Meanwhile, it's you and me and what you have to say on the phone at 888-788-9910. We're in Maryland. It's Pert next on Fox Across America. Hello, Pert. Paul, how you doing, partner? I'm good, man. How are you? What's on your mind? Doing well. Uh, I think one of the ones I would love to run against would be Marianne Williamson. That's okay. I haven't uh-huh. heard mention yet. No, I didn't. Didn't bring her up. But fill us in. Why so? Well, I think we could put um, anybody up against her. I mean, we could put Bobo the dog faced boy up against her and still win. <laughs> Well, that's probably true, which is why probably why they won't even consider uh, nominating right. her. But uh, of those of those that we you know we that are on the list, who would you like to see? Who I'd like to see? Um, well, I'd like to see Biden because I think we could beat Biden. But um, for the good of the um, Democratic Party, I think they should put RFK Jr. in there. Listen, if they're if they're smart and they they show no signs of being smart, they're cagey. They're 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 good at what they do, but they're not smart. But I agree with sure. you, and I, I tell you what, this is gonna this is gonna sound like blasphemy, but I tell you what, 
We need a good, strong Democratic Party. We need a competitive Democratic Party. We need a sane Democratic Party. It'll make the Republican Party better. What we have now is completely untenable. I wish the Democratic Party would return to its uh, working man roots. 888-788-9910. Hour 3 is coming up. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. Don't go away. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And welcome to Hour 3 here on this Friday of Fox Across America. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy returns on Monday. I'm coming to you from Tyler Longview, Texas, KTBB Radio, proud Fox Across America affiliate. And before we get to the serious business at hand, a local shout-out that is just on the Fox News channel of a real milestone happening here. It's a national story. A beautiful woman by the name of Melba, Melba Mibain. I get it out here. Melba Mibain. She's 90 years old. She's retiring from Dillard's, the department store, after 74 years of service. Working at Dillard's here in Tyler, Texas. And uh, she, she has barely missed a day in those 74 years. She has seen 15 presidents during her time uh, as, a, as a salesperson at, at Dillard's. She retires this week. After all those years of service, a, a, a local story here, but something that's made national news. Melba Bibane, congratulations to you and all the best on the next chapter of your life that begins here at age 90. Good for you. What a cool story. Meanwhile, back to the business at hand, 888-788-9910. We have a country to run, and the politics keep on coming. We are going to next year have to pick a 16th president, maybe, we don't keep the 15th since Melba's been working at Dillard's, but hopefully a 16th president on Melba's watch if things go the way we want them to. And who would we like to see run so that we have the best chance to beat in 2024? Is it Joe Biden as the incumbent? Is it um, Gavin Newsom? Is it Gretchen Whitmer? Who would you most like to see on the Democrat ticket that we stand the best chance of beating? 888-788-9910. Back to the phones. Kalamazoo, Michigan. It's Dan. You're next on Fox Across America. What about you? Well, uh, from a selfish reason, I would like to see Gretchen Whitmer on the ticket because I think she's very beatable, and that'll get her out of Michigan, which she's destroying. <laughs> okay. Tell us about that. Well, first of all, I'm going to be at the show with Jimmy and Kennedy tomorrow night in Holland. And, Good uh, for I look you. look forward to that. And uh, But uh, she's done a lot here. She During COVID, she really showed her true colors uh a lot of people forget now but the nursing home thing that they all talk about in new york was huge here and uh she heard a lot of people there we weren't allowed to go to funerals for months uh you couldn't ride in a boat like tudor said earlier uh outdoor events were canceled for almost a year and uh you couldn't have graduations you couldn't have sporting events outdoor doors and uh just a, a bunch of different things that she's done. Uh, she arrested a woman uh, who was a restaurant owner who couldn't stay closed anymore because she went on Fox News and talked about it. And afterwards, um, her attorney general made sure to get her arrested. 
And from what I'm told by my state police buddies, uh, they did it in a what is uh, similar to a felony stop in police work and uh, made it basically a point of you cross us, you're going to pay the price. Yeah, it made, it made a show out of it, I'm sure. Listen, the thing about the the pandemic, and I, you know, <clears throat> I talked about that some yesterday, and kind of the topic. I hate that we're still talking about it, but it did have one useful function. It revealed the true colors of the people on the left because it activated activated their worst instincts with respect to status to totalitarian control. I believe believe, uh, I'm retired law enforcement, and we got to see uh, what your government will do to you if they have the power to do it. The only thing that they messed up on was that they thought they had the military and the police in their back pocket. And when we started saying, no, that's unconstitutional and local sheriffs and whatnot would not uh, enforce some of these things, that party figured out real quick what they have to do to control everything. And if we let them have that, which we've let them have the schools pretty much already, I think we're in deep, deep, deep trouble. Well, as I say, it, it, did, it did reveal that, and we saw what happens when, when absolute power is granted. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And we saw them, really, truly the worst instincts were activated among those people on the left. Instead of looking for ways to best keep the economy and people's lives going in the face of a pandemic, they looked for ways to be as restrictive as possible as opposed to being as as free as possible given the circumstances. They looked on the most extreme end of restriction rather than looking for ways to keep things going. That's what that's what happened among those on the left who had power in 2020 during the pandemic. It, we, it, it, we did something we've never done before. We quarantined the healthy during a pandemic. That's never happened before. It's, it's also... Uh, we as a people will we succumb to fear we we want to feel comfort and we want to feel safe and if somebody sells you a line of something that makes you feel safe we sometimes just grab hold of it and don't realize what freedoms we're giving away while we're grabbing hold of that feeling of security and we've done that i think we did that with 9-11 i think we have done it with the pandemic and it's uh, it's really hard to uh, get around, you know, uh, trying to sell the truth and instead of fear. So he he who would would trade uh, uh, liberty for security will wind up with neither. Yes, sir. Very well. Hey, listen, good call, Dan. Appreciate it. So you're saying we want Gretchen Whitmer on the ticket? I think she might be a bit formidable. However, I think she'd be harder to beat than Joe Biden. What about you? Okay. All right, moving on. James in Sioux City, Iowa. Where do you weigh in on this debate? How you doing, Paul? I'm actually I'm good, man. through Texas today. I'm in where are you in te- Where are you in the great state of Texas? It's a great big place. So where are you? I-20 headed for Houston. I-20 doesn't go to Houston. Well, I'm, I'm going to be heading up on my flights to Houston. Okay, all right. If you're on I-20 headed for Houston, you're in deep trouble because you're not going to get there. (laughs) Understood. Uh, There's been a lot of key points today. There's a couple that I wanted to mention. I'll I'll give you the answer to the big question. You know, obviously, uh, 
Kamala Harris would be my first choice, although it'll never happen. Uh, otherwise, you know, leave it. Well, you know, you say it wouldn't happen. Deal. They wouldn't want it to happen. You say it won't, it'll never happen. They wouldn't certainly wouldn't want it to happen, but it could happen. If, if, if yeah. Biden, for some reason, doesn't finish his term, and particularly if that happens before oh, we yeah. really get into primary season next, uh, starting in the, in the winter of 2024, if, if something were to happen to him and she uh, rose to the presidency, she'd be kind of the de, de facto front runner for the nomination, as much as the Democrats might fear that. She'd be hard to get out of the way if she were sitting in the chair, I promise you. That's a scary thought. Uh, but back to the whole thing, I think there's two key points that uh, are going to have to happen for Trump to even have a real chance. Um, and, and the big one is these indictments. I know that everybody says, you know, it's getting them more, more people involved. There are more people are, uh, are voting for them. But uh, people, we're talking about it, and we don't really like where it's headed. You know, people want to know that, you know, this is this is not something that's, that's actually going to happen. Um, and then the second thing that guy Georgia brought up, um, we need to know that our vote counts. Um, I know people that have literally said that uh, they want to basically not vote just to kind of throw it in the government's face saying, you know, we don't think it, it matters. Um, well, that's silly. That's that's completely silly. I was I was but taken to task. Count, well, if you don't have, even if it does count, if you don't have faith that it counts, that's the same thing. You know, if it does, it has to be proper and it has to have the appearance of being proper proper for for. Yeah. For there to be true election integrity, I was taken to task by Rob listening on Connect FM in, Penn, in Du Bois, PA, who says simple-minded. My, he called me simple-minded for saying, "Declare election day as a national holiday so people be off work." I know not everybody will be off work, but we have national yeah. holidays where a lot of people are off work. You want as many people as possible available to vote on the day. That's never going to happen. I think it's a great idea. We're not going to ever get. We're never going to get to that. But it would. Yeah, I, I think, think it would be a great idea. thing. Yep. And and here's the deal: Election Day is a national holiday in a lot of countries in the world. Did I lose? Absolutely did I lose you there, James? Agree. There you are. Oh, I'm here. Uh, I agree with you, okay. and and uh, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to. To get rid of the, uh, you know, mail-in, computerized, uh, early voting, um, you know, obviously there's going to be some people that just absolutely cannot make it, but uh, they need to restrict that and, uh, and, you know, get out the old paper and uh, start counting them by hand. Yeah, but it's but it's but it's never but it's never going to happen, James. It's never going to happen. What we have is what what we have is what we have, and what we're going to have. And as a consequence, we have to do what Tudor Dixon was talking about in the prior segment. We're going to have to get good on talking about we being we us on the right Republicans. We're going to have to get good at doing what the Democrats are really good at, and that is getting 
making sure that our side, if they are going to vote, have to vote by mail, that they vote by mail. We get our people to turn out for uh, early voting rather than discouraging it. We need to. We can't go into election night every night down a half a million votes because of all of the uh, all of the early voting and the mail in and all of that stuff. If they're going to do it, we have to do it. We have to embrace it because this is how it's done now, whether we like it or not. This is the way it is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a scary thought. Uh, but I think those are the big two key factors is, uh, uh, you know, let the American people know that their vote's going to count. Um, I don't know how to do that exact, but uh, I think it would make a big difference. Um, and, and Trump resolving, you know, the issues he's got. It's very obvious uh, who's going after him and, and why. Um, most of us realize that, but not everyone. Um, the big thing well, that really surprised me this last election was, you know, what you said, you know, all of the social media and the emails and, and how it won Joe Biden, the presidency. And then once he got there, everybody went, well, who is this guy? He doesn't even know how to talk. I mean, right out of the gate, a lot of people that voted for him, I'm sure, immediately regretted their votes. But they were going by what they saw on their phone or their computer, um, you know. Well, I will say this, James, before, before I let you go before the break, I will say this. As weak as Joe Biden appears to be and is, uh, as diminished as he appears to be, do not make the mistake, if you're on the Republican side, do not make the mistake that he will be easily beaten in 2024 because it's just not the case. It will be it, 2024 is going to be very, very difficult for Republicans to win. And if you don't come into the battle thinking that, you are destined to lose. It is as bad as this presidency is. On paper, you would look at his polling numbers. You would look at the state of the economy. You'd look at the general mood of the country, and you would say, well, he's toast. He's not reelectable, given the fact, particularly given the fact that he's old, he looks old, he looks diminished, and he's got a lot of scandals swirling around him. You would think this guy is done. And... I would pick him of the people that are that are on that are could be considered as nominees. My deal is I would pick him as the person I want to run against, but I'm under no illusion that he will be easy to beat. I'm I think it's going to be a really really tough race in 2024. James, appreciate your call. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. The show continues. Stick around. Jimmy Fallon. He's got great charisma. Yeah. He's always dressed fantastic. He has what I call it. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're back. Fox Across America. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. 888-788-9910. Who do you want to run against in 2024? Aaron in Waco. You're next. What's on your mind? Hey, Paul. Great job this week. Enjoyed hearing you. Wish I could get a little closer to Tyler to hear you more often. Nice of you uh, to say. Nice of you to say, Aaron. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, out of the ones that you talked about, I'm on the line that I think Biden would be the best option to run against. Uh, however, I think we're all missing the obvious here, or maybe not so obvious, that the Democratic Party, they operate like a military unit and they're going to strike surgically and i don't think anybody that we've talked about actually will get the domination 
Uh, I believe that when the time comes uh, due to they need to check off boxes and make things work, that we're going to see somebody like uh, Minority Leader Jeffries in the House. Uh, and we're probably going to end up seeing a Democratic ticket that is completely minority, and everybody else we've talked about is going to be cabinet positions. And they're going to run a ticket that's almost unbeatable. Well, listen, first of all, you, the, Jeffries would be, you'll forgive the expression, and nothing to be read into this would be a dark horse. I, I, that's gonna, that would take a lot to make that happen. But I, I will say this. You know, from a, a you're there at ground level. Let's get up about ten thousand feet. I've had several callers to this show and several people whose opinions that I trust say that they don't believe it will be either Biden on the Democratic side or Trump on the Republican side that winds up on the ballot for the 2024 election. It'll be two people other than the two that seem the most obvious at the moment. Yeah, and I I agree with that. I don't think Trump will end up on the ticket uh, due to a multitude of issues. Uh, But I don't think what we're seeing on the Democratic side right now will happen because they're only going to nominate who they choose to nominate. And they're going to brush people aside like they did Bernie. They're going to pick this person. Yes, somebody that checks all the boxes and they have control over. And and their primary system is absolutely rigged. So that it does yeah. the bidding of the of the leadership of the party. It is not as open and transparent and as free as the Republican primary. If 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 a Trump were to show, if a Trump like person were to show up on the um, on the Democratic side, he would have no chance. Yeah, and that's exactly what is going to happen. And they don't want anybody going into this cycle. It's going to bring a lot of baggage with them, and that's why you won't have uh, a Gretchen. You won't have a Newsom. Because there's too many things right now that's baggage in an open debate, and they have to have somebody that can debate. And if you get somebody like Jeffries up there, there's really no baggage behind him. And you can't hit him on any other issue other than policies, and he's going to stand there and, and rattle off all these policies that will never come to, you know, to truth. But he's going to check off every other box, and they're going to take a ton of votes because of it. They're going to run an almost unbeatable ticket. It's going to be very difficult to beat them in this election. Well, I, I think no matter—I'm going to go back to what I said before we, before we took the break. I don't care who they run. I think they're going to be hard to beat. I don't think Republicans can, can afford the luxury of thinking that they, they can easily beat anybody. I think it's getting harder, not easier, for Republicans to win, even though I think the Republican story is becoming better and better with each passing day, given how badly the Democrats are failing. Hey, listen, appreciate your call, Aaron. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. Andrews and Wilson, two great authors, coming up after the bottom of the hour break. Hope you'll stick around. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. We have on the line with us we have a couple of really cool guys. They are they are authors. They're former Navy uh, vets. They are well, they are Navy vets, former sailors who are now best-selling authors. Uh, the the writing team of Andrews and Wilson, gentlemen. Uh, thanks for being part of the program today, and just give us the story on you two guys. How did you go from being in the Navy to being best-selling authors? Hey, Paul, it's Jeff. So thanks so much for having us on. And uh, yeah, that's a that's a journey that probably takes longer than we have here. But uh, long story short, I'd always been a storyteller and Brian grew into storytelling as a submarine officer. And, uh, 
you know, the key to our success has been the teamwork that we do as a as a co-author team. We're able to take some of those lessons learned from Navy about mission and team before self and put it to work in a in a new career. So that's sort of our story in a nutshell. It's Brian Andrews and Jeffrey Wilson, the the the, uh, the writing team. Your latest book is called The Sandbox. What's the story? Sandbox is an artificial intelligence thriller. So artificial intelligence or AI, everybody knows it's big time in the news right now. And we had actually started working on a thriller because that's the type of books that we write a couple of years ago, um, wondering, you know, what would happen if AI kind of went off on its own doing its own thing? And it formed the great what if question for a news thriller that we wrote. And just give us the pricey. What's the what? What's the the setup and the action? Yeah. So imagine that a artificial intelligence uh, goes mad. Think uh, sort of Hannibal Lecter uh, meets her or ex, uh, ex Machina. One of those types of stories. So in our story, a CID uh, investigator turned homicide detective is trying to solve a crime of the murder of one of the biggest tech uh, giants in the world. And all the evidence in her mind seems to point towards this artificial intelligence, which, of course, is impossible because it's a computer program. And the story sort of uh, sort of takes off from there. Well, let's uh, let's talk about artificial intelligence. What did you learn about it in in your research and, and, and putting together writing the book? You know, I think one of the things that your listeners probably know is that we've been living with artificial intelligence for a long time now. You know, it's always been operating in the background processing data, paying attention to our buying habits and stuff when we're purchasing things on Amazon or doing our Google searches. But what happened recently is um, this organization called OpenAI released something called a large language model or an LLM. Everybody knows it by chat GPT. And this is kind of a different type of artificial intelligence. Instead of a narrow data processing type of AI, this is an AI that's capable of reading, consuming lots of information, and then basically carrying on conversations or being able to generate, you know, uh, very detailed answers to questions that people type in. And so when we thought about, you know, we were doing our research, we were thinking about this sort of more general artificial intelligence, you know, something that is maybe self-aware or on the verge of self-aware and able to communicate with human beings in a in an eerily human manner. Well, let me tell you something just close to home for me. It's a, it's a Brian Andrews and Jeffrey Wilson, authors of The Sandbox, on with us here on Fox Across America. Very close to home for me. My wife is a, both a staff member and an adjunct professor at a major university in Dallas. And, you know, they've always, you know, all since we've been having school, you've had to guard against cheating. They figured out, you know, how to find out if a student writing a paper went and pulled all of it off of the Internet. They, there are tools that will do that. What they're up against now and really haven't been able to fully harden against is a student plugging in some, some values and saying, write my paper for me. And the, 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 the AI will write grammatically correct, uh, fully sensical, fact-driven uh, college papers. Right, right. It's, it becomes really personal, doesn't it? And, and our world, too, as writers, you know, we're probably not far from someone uh, asking an AI to write a novel about uh, Russian conflict or a novel about Navy SEALs and having it be able to mechanically uh, come up with something that's reasonable. And so as human beings, we have to decide uh, as, a, as a culture, 
Do we want to consume, you know, things that are created by our fellow humans and share our human experience or by things that are created by a machine? A separate issue from, you know, kind of things we tackle in the novel, but very real things that we have to decide. And we probably need to decide them pretty damn quick because, uh, you know, these are things that are here right now. You know, listen, one of the things that I that I absolutely believe about uh, about science fiction and thrillers, the best the the best science fiction is the science fiction that has a strong thread of plausibility in it so that it's not just completely out there. How plausible is rogue AI doing real harm to the human race? Well, that's the question everyone's asking, right? I mean, it's terrifying, and I think it's, I think it's, it's certainly possible. It's within the, if not right now, certainly in the very near future. And so that's why there's so much discussion now about what kinds of safeties need to be in place. How do we manage this potential threat? but still balance out the tremendous benefit that's possible. You know, as a former physician and surgeon, I can see that AI could be where the cure for cancer comes from or guides a surgeon as he removes a tumor. And so there's tremendous benefit, but if we're not weighing that against the risk, uh, we do so at our own peril. And I, I think that that risk is real. With respect to the book, the title again is The Sandbox. Uh, I assume it's available wherever you buy your books. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes, it's available on Amazon and Audible as an audio book and uh, Barnes & Noble or in independent booksellers as well, which we, we support. And following you guys, how do we follow you guys? Our website is the best there. way to oh, get in touch with us, www.anders-wilson.com. And if you go there, you can sign up for our newsletter. We don't send a lot of spam, just occasional updates about our newest releases and that's a great way to follow all the books we have out. Okay, the book is called The Sandbox. It's written by Brian Andrews and Jeffrey Wilson, writing as the author team of Andrews and Wilson, available at Amazon and wherever you get your books. Gentlemen, appreciate you being a part of the program today, and good luck, and thanks for taking the time. Paul, thanks for having us, man. Enjoyed talking to you. Enjoyed. I'm, I, by the way, I'm going to get the book, so I'm, I'm going to read the book. It's the kind of thing I love, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, I sure hope we sent one to you. If not, we'll fix that. <laughs> okay, thank you, guys. Uh, they really appreciate it. It's Fox Across America. Paul Glasser sending in for Jimmy Fallon. Back to you and your and your calls at 888-788-9910 after the break. Don't go away. Critics are calling it the show of the year. Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. Wanting to hear from you, 888-788-9910. In Arp, Texas, not far from where I'm sitting right now, it's James next on Fox Across America. Hello, James. Hey, Paul. You doing all right? I'm doing good. I'm. How are you doing? Oh, doing good. You know, I miss old Jimmy, but you're doing a great job. Well, thank you for that. I miss Jimmy, too. Look forward to having him back on the air here on Monday. Looking forward to I it. I hear you. Well, I, I was looking at, uh, you know, you talking about who could run for president on Democratic side. That we can and, beat, uh, that we would most like yeah. to have over there that we can beat. Oh, hell, it's uh, Joe Biden, because I think he's compromised by China and Russia and all the rest of them. And uh, he really got dementia. Uh, something's wrong there somewhere. Yeah, and, I'll tell you uh, what, he's, I'll tell you, he's compromised by this. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. That's what he's compromised by. Oh yeah, yeah. But I, you know, uh, 
I, I think they lost the lady that could really run for the Democratic Party. I think it was uh, Tulsi Gabbard. You know, she went to independent. Uh, she did because, you know, in, in good for her. And I wish there were more of her in the Democratic Party because I would really like for the Democratic Party to be more sane. I would like I think if we had a Democratic Party that wasn't dominated so heavily by its far left wing, if we could get America back to playing politics between the 40s, we would be right. better off. You know, if yeah, we I'm could fine. if we could get back to debating on the best way to deal with poverty and the best way to deal with the southern border and the best way to confront China and the best okay. way to deal with problems in the Middle East, if we could get back to debating and having actual real live debate, a back and forth, a give and take on those issues, the country would be stronger. And people say, well, you know, there's extremists on both sides. Yeah, there's way more extremism on the left than there is on the right. And I'm saying that as a guy on the right, knowing that I'm biased. Well, I agree with everything you said right there. And uh, for going on a new green deal and everything, I believe in going, you know, uh, slow it down some. I believe in the green new deal, but you got to slow it down because we can't even keep electrical on right now. Uh, yep. I mean, it's it's a sad situation. They're having brownouts and everything else, uh, you know, in California. And, uh, we're barely hanging on in Texas, but anyway. That's, that's all true, James. Listen, I believe in being a good steward of the planet. I want clean air and clean water. I want all those things. But I don't want to gut the economy getting there. James, appreciate your call. Let's get one more in while we have the time. Tim in Eastern Connecticut, what say you? Well, 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 Paul, I want to first start off by saying happy birthday, America. Absolutely. We had a birthday week, 247 years old this week, and that is a great thing. We live in the greatest country in the world. For all these problems and all this lunacy going on, we live in the greatest country in the world. I couldn't agree with you more, and I'd like to make it a little greater by giving, offering up the following observation. All right. Uh, back in 1776, when they started the first celebration, uh, they probably took out the muskets and the cannons, and boom, 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 it went. Well, here we are, 200, like you said, 247 years later, and America's still celebrating. But something's really changed in America, as we all know. So here's my point. We are, we, there are people in America, and I'm talking about the red blood, blooded American, yep. the hardworking farmer. Go fast, Tim. Go quick. Oh, uh, listen, we're buying China fireworks and Chinese yeah, and wave, wave, And waving flags and made in China. Off, we're, we're setting off a Chinese product to celebrate the American Independence Day. Plus, we're doing it for other reasons, for, for st- stadium uh, fire. Guy hits the grand slam, off go the fireworks. Yep, well, that's all true. Chinese fireworks. There's hey. Chinese fireworks, and every vet, every farmer, every military man, and, and public service officials should be really PO'd about that. Hey, Tim, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. In- I've got, to, I've got to jump here because I'm up against a break, but you're absolutely right. And if you want a good drinking game, go into a Home Depot or a Target with with something to drink. And uh, every time you see Made in China, take a drink. You'll be hammered before you get out of the store. Appreciate it. More to wrap it up here on Fox Across America. Oh, I did take the break. Hey, I've got time to go. I was thinking I was up. Look, I was looking at the clock getting panicky. Uh, that's uh, Mikey and Josh telling me in New York that I can't tell time. 
which is not surprising. But look, what, uh, what Tim there in eastern Connecticut just said is 100% true. We celebrated the 4th of July uh, this uh, this past Tuesday, and people were with one firing fireworks that were made in China. That's kind of not new. That's where China fireworks started, just to be completely fair. But to be waving American flags that were made in China, my God, that's crazy. We should be making American flags in America. But more more substantive than that, we should be making our antibiotics in America. 90-plus percent of them are made in China. And if you want to you want to really bring a country to its knees, remember the Arab oil embargo, how much trouble that caused? What if China embargoed medicine because a big bunch of our medicines are made in China? And as I was saying, I just one day I was in Home Depot, had a big project going with my wife and I redoing the backyard, buying a whole bunch of stuff, spent a lot of money at the Home Depot. And I had to go buy some uh, prepackaged screws. And I, I pulled the packet off the shelf, and it says on the back of it, made in China. So just for the hell of it, I started kind of walking up and down the aisles, pulling things randomly off the shelf, turning the package over, and seeing where was this thing made. The overwhelming percentage of what I pulled off the shelf randomly in Home Depot and looked at said made in China. That's no way for the American economy to be strong. That's no way for America to be strong. And I know it costs more in the United States to manufacture things than it does in places like China. One of the things that goes on in China is they basically have slave labor. You can contract with a Chinese manufacturing company, and the and the employees are provided by the Chinese government, and they don't have a lot of say in being there. And so you can get really, really cheap labor. And so we export our manufacturing to China, and we let uh, children and people who are working in involuntary servitude make the things that we need in order to survive daily life. That's no way for us to have a strong country. And I would be willing to pay the price. I'd be willing to pay more for things if they were manufactured in the United States and if they were made here and if we controlled where they were made and if if push comes to shove with China, we don't depend on them for the things that we need in daily life. I would be happier with that. And I think that's something that we ought to do. So so Tim there in eastern Connecticut is 100% correct. It's crazy that we celebrate the 4th of July by by firing off Chinese fireworks and waving uh, Chinese-made American flags and wearing uh, screen-printed shirts with American flags on them that were manufactured in China while we shoot uh, – we shoot video and take selfies and take pictures of what's going on with our phones that were made in China while we export American wealth to China, while our wealth goes to to strengthen and, and fund the, American, the, the Chinese military that wants to defeat our military. All those things are going on, and we shouldn't let that happen. And Donald Trump was right about all of this, and to stand up, to the Chinese is something that a president is going to have to do, and we're going to have to find a way to reshore American manufacturing. We've let too much of it leave the country. And that brings us to the last thing. We'll wrap up the show with this. If we think we are going to do that by driving electric vehicles, we're crazy. The most of what is necessary to power an electric vehicle is controlled at 
this moment by the Chinese Communist Party. Most of it is controlled by the Chinese. That's the cobalt that you need for making lithium-ion batteries. That's the lithium that you need for making lithium-ion batteries. The cobalt mines in Africa, the Chinese have bought up most of them. Those mines are largely worked by children, by 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 underage kids, kids that, are, that would be illegal to employ in the United States, are mining the cobalt to make the batteries for electric vehicles. We're going to talk about green energy and solar panels. Most of the solar panels, solar energy. Texas is the one of the top solar energy producing states in the country. Most of those, so most of those solar panels were made in China. They weren't made in the United States. You want to talk about a strong, independent nation. Remember what it was like when we were dependent on the Middle East for oil? Imagine being dependent on the, on the, the malfeasant, bad, evil Chinese Communist Party for our transportation. That's where this administration wants to take us. I have no problem with electric vehicles. If you want to buy an EV, go buy one. But know where it's coming from and know where, what, what it is that you're doing. Meanwhile, we're leaving energy that we can easily get and economically get in the ground. The oil and natural gas that we in America control, we're turning our backs on that. On that happy note. It's the end of Fox Across America for this week. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fela. Jimmy will be back on Monday. It's been my pleasure to be here this week. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks, Josh and Mikey. You guys have a great weekend. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.